Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. A new study aimed to describe current state-level policies in the United States that limit high morphine-equivalent daily dose, or MDD, prescribing. The researchers used the LexisNexis and Westlaw Next databases, as well as Google, to find legislative acts and non-legislative state-level policies. The policies were pooled and checked against existing policy compilations and academic literature and through contact with state health agency representatives. To find out more about the results of this analysis, I will be speaking to the lead author of the study. Dr. Sarah Hines, who is an Associate Health Policy Researcher at the RAND Corporation in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Hines. Thank you so much for having me. To start, can you tell us more about your study and how it came about? Sure. So when I began the study, I was a graduate student at Johns Hopkins, and I had been studying prescription opioid policy for a few years and noticed several policies either recommending or mandating a maximum morphine-equivalent daily dose of opioids. For those who aren't familiar, morphine-equivalent daily dose, or MEDD, is basically a measure of the overall dose of opioids patients are taking, uh, accounting for strengths of different types of opioid medications. The general premise of trying to restrict MEDD makes sense. It's pretty well documented that high doses of prescribed opioids are associated with increased risk of overdose and mortality. But one thing I noticed was that the dose thresholds used varied a lot from policy to policy, and there didn't seem to be a strong clinical rationale for picking a certain threshold. Sometimes different agencies, even within the same state, would have different dose thresholds. So I want to learn more in a more systematic way about the different dose threshold states we're using and how they were structuring these policies. And this actually ended up being the first paper in my dissertation. Perfect. Let's talk more about your findings now. Specifically, you and your colleagues found that 22 states have at least one type of METD policy. What can you tell us about these policies and how they're used in practice? Yeah, so we found a wide range of policies, you know, ranging from guidelines that recommended above prescribing a set dose but didn't really have an enforcement mechanism to more restrictive policies such as prior authorization or claim denial policies. For prior authorization policies, prescribers need to go through a process to get permission from the insurer in this case is generally Medicaid, to prescribe above a certain dose. And for claim denial, prescriptions above a certain dose will just be denied by the insurer. Most policies, though, had exceptions for certain patient groups built in. For example, the dose restrictions might not apply to patients with cancer or in hospice care. And as for how they're used in practice, that's something I'm actively investigating, but the short answer is that it depends a lot on the policy and the population. So I recently published a paper in the journal Medical Care that showed a reduction in the average dose of opioids prescribed to patients, uh, specifically in a workers' comp population, following state workers' comp guidelines cautioning against high-dose prescribing. But in another paper that's I'm working on, you know, that's currently under review. I looked at different types of policies 
and how prescribing practices changed after the policies were implemented among privately insured patients. And I didn't see the same effects. So this is something that I'm continuing to research uh, for other types of policies and populations. Your team also examined the morphine thresholds across the United States and found a variation in threshold levels. How do these thresholds affect clinical practice and how pain is treated? Yeah, so as I mentioned, this is something we're still exploring, but I've heard, at least anecdotally, that uh, these types of policies can really have a negative impact on some chronic pain patients who have been using opioids for a long time. So as you said, there's a lot of variation in threshold levels, and I think a lot of confusion as to what are appropriate doses of opioids for different patients. So a clinician might see a guideline saying that, you know, she shouldn't prescribe above 100 MEDD and maybe try to cut down uh, the dose of a patient who, like, let's say has been on 200 MEDD for several months to try to get them down below the thresholds. But the problem is that this can cause debilitating withdrawal symptoms if done too quickly. And some of the guidelines I reviewed, you know, noted that these dose thresholds are really only for new opioid users, or they acknowledge that long-term opioid users would need to be tapered, but they really didn't provide any guidance on how tapering should be done. So, you know, this isn't to say that these policies are all bad, but I, you know, I think in some cases they might encourage clinicians to start patients who have never used opioids before on lower doses of opioids, which is probably a good thing. But these policies really need to be written and applied thoughtfully to acknowledge that, you know, different patients are going to have very different pain management needs. In your opinion, how can these thresholds become more uniform across the states, or should they be uniform? Well, to some extent, variation in these thresholds is necessary. So, you know, a lower threshold might make sense for a guideline where, you know, clinicians have some discretion to prescribe higher doses if needed. But if you're going to, let's say, deny a claim for a prescription, you would want a much higher threshold. Similarly, you might want different thresholds for a patient who has never used opioids before and a patient who has been on high doses of opioids for a long time or different thresholds for different types of conditions. Where variation is bad, though, is uh, where different states or different agencies within a state have different thresholds and just don't provide much context. So if one guideline says don't prescribe over 120 and another guideline says don't prescribe over 30, that can lead to a lot of confusion and poor quality of care. So I think national level guidance could help, but that's had its problems too. So an example of this was the 2016 uh, Centers for Disease Control Guidelines on Opioid Prescribing. So this guideline recommended caution in prescribing over 50 MEDD and said that prescribing over 90 MEDD was rarely appropriate. But instead of helping clear up confusion, many prescribers were using these guidelines as justification to rapidly cut the doses of long-term opioid users, or even drop patients completely uh, since they were scared to prescribe high doses. So this resulted in the Centers for Disease Control actually needing to issue a clarification. This was pretty recently that the guidelines were 
only supposed to apply to new opioid users, and they put out more detailed guidance on how to appropriately taper opioids. What kinds of challenges arise when faced with such variations in thresholds? So I think there's a challenge of like how how are we actually supposed to use these guidelines? So like in some cases, you know, th- there'll be a guideline put out and it's it's not meant to be binding. Clinicians are, you know, still in theory have discretion, but then you'll see that insurance companies might say well, this, there's this guideline saying that you shouldn't prescribe above this dose, so therefore um, we're not going to, you know, reimburse you for <laughs> these prescriptions. So even if there's not like kind of that restrictive state policy, you know, individual insurers or practitioners might kind of adhere to these more rigid interpretations. So I think that's a big challenge sort of saying, okay, we have these guidelines for these policies. How does that impact, like, the care that we are actually giving? Overall, what is the key take-home message from your study? Uh, So I'd say there's a lot of variation in state opioid dosing policies. These policies might be helpful if they can prevent risky high-dose prescribing, especially among patients who have never used opioids before, but they can be harmful if they use a one-size-fits-all approach. Great. Thank you again so much for speaking with me today and answering my questions. Thank you so much for having me.